Welcome to a special edition of Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss how we've been inspired by the character of Superman and comics in general is returning guest, Jeremy Fretkin. Welcome back. Anthony, thank you so much. Happy to be here as always, my friend. I'm so glad that that you were not only game to do this, but uh, you really kind of gave me the the last little bit of encouragement I needed to do this episode. This will this will be probably the most personal episode, certainly that I've that I've done. You know, in terms of what I've shared on the show, nothing overly dramatic. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to build it up too much. But this was kind of born out of again this idea of the the inspiration that Superman can provide because. You know, I feel like in numerous episodes, myself and certain guests, you know, we've talked about how Superman is this role model, Superman is this example, we derive inspiration, but, uh, you know, the, the golden rule of writing, right, show, don't tell. And it's like, sometimes it's hard, you know, for, for myself, for guests to really pinpoint concrete, tangible, like specific instances where we've derived some inspiration. And I recently had an experience where I, I did genuinely derive inspiration from Superman, specifically a scene from the pilot of the Superman and Lois television series. It partially, uh, but not in an insignificant way, uh, motivated a recent uh, career change for myself. Um, so I'll, I'll lay it all out, but that's, the, that's sort of the, the gist of, uh, of what we'll be talking about. I do want to say, though, that there, there is an exception to what I just said. A couple episodes ago, uh, my buddy Justin DeVoe, he was on the show. We talked about the black and white edition of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And, you know, in the course of that discussion, we were talking a lot about uh, the fandom kind of on both sides of the Snyder Cut movement. But but in particular, we were talking about, you know, we, we're fans of, of the Snyder Cut and there have been people who, you know, <laughs> who don't feel the same way and are not shy about sharing that. And, you know, Justin was talking about how, like, you know, generally speaking, right, you don't want to dump on what other people like because you don't always know why they like it, why it resonates with them. And he... And we had not talked about this ahead of time. I did not know he was going there, but he really bared his soul. I mean, he, he shared about, um, you know, about growing up in, in an abusive house and how comics were, were this, this place that he could go, this escape in a really profound way. It was a refuge for him. And, you know, he got choked up talking about it. It was, I was right there with him. It was, it was a really, really powerful moment. So I want to thank Justin uh, for sharing that. And I also want to say, I heard from a bunch of people, um, some publicly on social media, but a bunch privately as well, who said that that really struck a chord with them. So um, uh, thank you to people who reached out. Thank you to Justin for sharing that. And also for, in part, inspiring me. Again, th- I like, like I said, what I'm going to share is nothing, you know, uh, again, overly dramatic. But uh, he, he did, in part, inspire me to kind of want to share a little bit as well. So, so thanks to Justin and thanks to the listeners. And, of course, thank you to uh- you. Oh, of course. And I, I will second that. A big thank you to, to Justin for – it takes a certain amount of bravery to be open, uh, especially open on a public forum like that. So it's uh, my complete respect. And um, oftentimes when somebody does share something like that, it you take a leap and where you land, you realize you don't land alone is something that I've noticed. And it, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I'm so glad to hear that this is resonating with other people because – yeah, we're you know we're on a podcast about comic books and other media involving superheroes, and it's easy just to kind of look at that quickly and be like, oh, it's a it's a fun podcast, it's informative, which it is all of those things. But we need to remember too that we're all real people, and this is something subject matter that we care about, 
And we wouldn't be putting in all this time if it didn't strike a true and meaningful chord with us. And um, I know for a fact that we're not alone. And it's it's cool to hear more people speak up about that. Yeah, well said. I could I could not agree more. Um, you know, before I kind of get into my my little story here, uh, I want to I want to open the floor to you, my friend. I mean, our, and I know I had messaged you about this ahead of time, and and uh, I, I don't know what, if anything, you came up with. So there's no pressure on this, but yeah, I was curious. Um, you know, whether it's Superman related or otherwise, whether it's comic books or the adaptations, are there specific instances in your own life where you can you can kind of point and say, yeah, like I really I really took direct specific inspiration from from something. You probably already know what the first thing out of my mouth is going to be, is that you know I like to come prepared. <laughs> so I have two. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know uh, go go long on this, but um, I did find two, and I actually found time even sitting here coming to you live from the Hilton in Greenville, South Carolina, to uh, actually watch one of the things I'm talking about. So since I gave that little clue, I guess I'll start there. That sounds like a good place to start. So yeah, so I was thinking about it, and you know. Superheroes and superheroics have, especially over the past 15, 10, 5 years, however you want to look at it, with all the movies that have been out and television adaptations, there is just so much popular media. I know uh, so many different comic books have uh, spawned movies that now relate to so many more people than they've had before, which, you know what, say what you will. And I know there are people who are out there who are being like, oh, well, you know, they're just watching the movies. They're not watching the comic books. The fact is that these characters and these stories are influencing more people than ever before, which is kind of the central theme of uh, this get together that we're doing here. And I think that's wonderful. That being said, I thought I'd maybe choose two that growing up really resonated with me that people generally speaking, might not know. Something tells me listeners of this podcast, a lot of them are going to be familiar, but kind of a little more deeper cuts, if you will. Uh, so uh, no surprise here. You and I have talked about at length how much, you know, growing up, I loved the whole uh, kind of Tim Sale animated series universe. Uh, I absolutely, oh, the Bruce I Tim? love, Wait, the, oh, excuse Bru- me, the yeah. Bruce Tim, the Bruce Tim animated um, Hey, a Tim universe. Sale animated universe would be pretty sweet as well. well. That's from all the four seasons we have on the mind stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. I see you, that light bulb goes off, which is a good thing. But um, so yeah, the Bruce Tim animated series leading up all the way to Justice League Unlimited, which produced some of, I think is some of the best episodes of animated television everywhere, but also one of my absolute favorites which happens to be, and we've talked about him uh, briefly before, you know how one of my favorite characters in all of comics is none other than Wally West. And the episode in particular, Flash and Substance in Justice League Unlimited, which is the fifth episode in season three, uh, is one that I found to be absolutely wonderful and beautiful. It was a Flash-centric episode, something we really hadn't seen too, too much of up until that point. And... For a lot of the series, you know, uh, Wally, the Flash, is on the surface kind of comedic relief is what he is. You know, he's there to kind of lighten the mood, still always doing the right thing. But this was such a meaningful character study for me, somebody who won Class uh, class Clown in high school. I actually did win that uh, superlative, which doesn't explain much because I'm sure I'm not very funny now. But still, you'll have to take my word on that one. So uh, what I thought it really spoke to me was um, throughout the whole episode, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, First of all, go watch it. It's on HBO Max. I was able to fire it up here thanks to the app, which was awesome. It sounds like they're paying me. They're not. But it was very, very easy just to fire it up and watch that episode, which was great. Um, long and short of it is the Flash Museum's opening up, and he's super excited. He has some cute moments with him, Batman, and Orion 
is what the show centers around, which is already worth the price of admission. What a tremendous oddball trio that you, you have together. He is so excited about the Flash Museum opening, and of course his rogues are going to naturally try to ruin it and get rid of him. And the episode centers on two things, really. One, Orion can't understand why Flash is not respected, why he seemingly thinks so much is a joke, why he's always bouncing around and is always happy when he's dealing with all of this strife. And two, that kind of paves the way for this real study of who Wally West is as a character, where by the end of it, uh, when the Flash Museum gets completely destroyed, this thing he was looking forward to, he even got Batman to come to his event, which to him was like one of the great things. It's a great episode for Batman too, because my favorite versions of, of Batman are not the the, the loner, you know, uh, more violent. It's the Batman who learned to accept others through his own personal trauma. It's another story for another day. Um, so... They're at the Flash Museum. They fight the rogues. It gets destroyed. This whole thing that Wally was looking forward to is completely gone and in shambles. TV crew comes up to him and just go, Wally, like, we're, we're so sorry. You're our hero. This, this is supposed to be your day. It got destroyed. He makes a joke just saying, ah, I got to be on TV, and you know how much I love that. They all laugh, and he walks away, and Orion looks at him and says, now I understand. You know, you, you do all these these, this act to, to mask a, a warrior's pain that you have on the inside. And they could have stopped there and been like, wow, like maybe Wally is really sad on the inside. But Wally just turns to him and goes, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, excuse me, but he just goes, hey, you know, we stopped the bad guys and nobody got hurt. At the end of the day, that's good. And that really struck such a chord with me. And uh, throughout the episode too, he's just, he knows so many of the people in his city by name. He's talking about them, about their lives. And Wally West gives such a good example of not just like what a hero should be, but just what a decent human being should be. And that outlook, despite his own personal uh, pain and strife, you see it how he treats his rogues. There's another scene where, um, yeah, they're, they're, you probably, you're laughing already, where they're at the, uh, the bar with the trickster. And, you know, Orion and Batman are there, and Orion wants to beat the snot out of him. And Wally's like, guys, what are you doing? And he sits down to him and just kind of goes, hey, have you been taking your medicine? And he's, he just says, oh, well, I, I only take it like, you know, like when, when I feel, you know, that I, I might be in trouble. And he goes, come on, man. Like, you know, that's not how the medicine works. You got to take it all the time. Hey, listen, you tell me what's going on. I'll visit you. We'll play some darts together. We'll have a good time. And he tells him the information he needs. And that was such a powerful scene for me. You know, I, I guess, you know, especially considering myself now as an educator with the idea that Everybody you see doesn't have to be your enemy, that you can do your best to try to understand them. And that's something that really struck with me. Again, if you're watching and you haven't seen it, uh, Flash and Substance is the name of the episode, Justice League Unlimited. Uh, you can find it on HBO Max. That's where I found it. I, I really encourage you to take some time to go watch it. That, that I, I was riveted uh, as you described it because I remembered the broad strokes of it, but not all of the specifics. So I, I was, I was really enjoying, uh, your, your summary and, and I do have fond memories of that episode. I guess I had forgotten a little bit more about the, the, or the Orion part and like the final payoff, but the scene of him talking to his, his enemies, uh, that I do remember. And that always stood out. And, and yeah, that overall message of like, you know, we stopped the bad guys. No one got hurt. Like, you know, everything's okay. I, you know, that's a good lesson to try to, you know, <laughs> to carry with you, 
you know, move for, for all of us, you know, because I, I, you know, I know for myself and I try to check myself as much as I can. Like when I find myself getting worked up about something and, I, you know, try to put it in perspective. Um, you and me both. Yeah. I, but you found like that episode and like that moment with Wally, like, is that, is that something you'll actually like actively think of from time to time? In instances yeah. like I mean, that, that's awesome. I, I work. I work in a, a field where I, I regularly deal with with students and people who, who's from that one example, whose days can be affected by if they're taking their medicine or not. Even just like that, that one line, it made you stop and think. Like you know, they're, whatever they're doing, whatever their behaviors are, that's just what's on the outside. We're not here for what's on the outside. We're here for what's on the inside. You know, you don't win. Wally's the fl- fastest man alive. He didn't win this battle by being fast or throwing punches or entering the speed force. He won these battles with empathy by being a good human being. And that's to me what heroes do. And even if we as mere mortals don't always achieve that constantly all the time, it does give us something to strive for and something to kind of keep in mind. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, I mean, the way that Wally relates to his rogues, uh, you know, in, in the comics too, and especially in that episode, I, I did always appreciate that because it's a different play on the dynamic than than you would typically get. Like you you wouldn't see Batman doing that with, with one of no. his enemies. Uh, Which so, is cool that he's there while, while it's yeah. happening too. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like you wonder, like, does Bruce have any takeaways after seeing that? <laughs> Well, he does have that. And I know this because I just watched it. He has that one line where uh, Orion just kind of looks at what Flash is doing and uh, he just says, you know, I don't understand. And Batman just looks at him and just goes, no, you don't. So there's kind of like that undercurrent of like Batman does have this deep, somewhat begrudging respect for Wally as well, too, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm long overdue. And at some point, through this podcast, I will revisit Justice League and Justice League Unlimited because it's been, I've seen all of them. I've seen the entire Tim verse, uh, but it's been a while and uh, and I I know I'll enjoy going back to them. Uh, so I know you said you had a couple. That was the first. What was the other one? I may have one more. I promise. Only it's, one more. No, and, uh, that's what we're is, here for. It is, uh, so an interesting kind of cut and I, I'll tie it all together with a nice bow that I actually didn't realize till I kind of sat down and thought about all this and, uh, wrote some of this down. Um, my other moment that I want to talk about comes from Dick Grayson and this comes from, uh, his run as Batman during the story Black Mirror by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jock oh, yeah. and Francesco, Friends of Villa, one of my favorites, uh, full, full story. And I would love to talk at length with people about this. But Dick Grayson is my favorite Batman. And I know that's going to spark some interesting conversation. But like we just talked about with talking about, you know, uh, the Zack Snyder cut and all this stuff. It's uh, I really enjoy those experiences and conversations because we learn a lot from each other. Um, this kind of sums up why, you know, the, the old writing rule, you, you show, you don't tell. Um, this sums up why, just in a nutshell, in a snapshot, why he's my favorite Batman. It's the scene there on the roof where Dick Grayson, as Batman, goes to Commissioner Gordon. And uh, Commissioner Gordon just kind of looks at him and, you know, Dick asks, is something wrong, Commissioner? Uh, and he goes, no, I'm just not used to it yet. And he kind of goes, oh, not used to what? And Commissioner Gordon goes, you still being here when I look up. And that really struck such a chord with me because even if you haven't read a whole lot of Batman comics, you know from the Batman movies or other media that his Batman's whole thing when he's talking to Jim Gordon on the roof a lot of times, he gets the assignment, Jim Gordon keeps talking, he turns around, he's gone, stealthy, mysterious. 
This time, though, it's a different Batman. It's a different man. He turns around, and Dick Grayson's still there spending his time listening to him. And that showed to me such a strike contrast between the two and also what kind of character and human Dick Grayson is. Um, both Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson lost their parents, marred by tragedy. And depending on which version you're getting of Bruce Wayne, most of the time he's defined by that tragedy and it affects him negatively as much as it inspires him to be a hero. Dick Grayson, however, did have the benefit of having Bruce, of having Alfred. He didn't let that tragedy define him. And instead, he's become and often referred to as, you know, a lot of times as the glue of the DC universe as a whole by being that guy that you can count on, that you can, that is always there for you. And, you know, that's somebody I always want to be, even if I don't always succeed. And uh, it's so funny. That's just one little scene where I guess if you were just like a, a more just, you know, casual or general fan, you'd flip by that and be like, oh, that's a funny nod. But knowing the characters, that really struck such a chord with me. Like, you know, Dick Grayson is somebody who wants to be there for everybody, who will take time out of his day to listen to somebody, even if he has other things to do, even if it's not convenient. And uh, to tie that all together, I didn't realize it. Boy, I sure am a big uh, Titans fan, huh? Yeah. Uh, when I when I was kind of looking at this, and I was like, well, that's kind of interesting because I really think my favorite part of a lot of DC stories is and what I think DC Comics does better than anybody, to be perfectly honest, is taking these established mantles and roles and having characters grow up and grow into them over the course of many, many, many years. And there's no other place, no other medium where you can see a character start off as a kid, as a sidekick decades ago, and then inherit the mantle of their mentor. And uh, it's such a powerful growing up lesson as well, too. And that kind of, I was like, wow, I guess that really does mean a lot to me as well to kind of kind of put a whole bow on it. Yeah, just real real quick uh, technical note. If you could just avoid hitting the table because I'm uh, <laughs> picking that up. But I love the you passion. Can, you, you can tell I'm getting into it. I'm starting uh, to talk with my hands a little I bit. I love the passion and I, I couldn't agree more. That is, because I've always been a DC fan at heart. I think that's clear from anyone who's listened to any of my stuff. I've always been a DC fan at heart. And I do think that that aspect of legacy is a big part of it, that you do have other people inherit the mantle and carry carry the legacy forward. That's why it always kind of bugs me when when DC does its various, you know, continuity cleanups and reboots yep. and all that yep. stuff. And and those characters go away. I know Dan DiDio has he's said this in interviews that um, he, he kind of had an issue with those those Titans characters in particular. And I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was that it aged. His feeling was that their presence, especially when they move forward in their careers, um, you know, kind of just ages their, you know, the, the their mentors uh, to a degree that he found unacceptable. Because it's like if you know Dick Grayson is now a, I don't know, a 25 year old guy. It's like how old is how old is Bruce? I, you know, I mean, I feel like that's not good enough of a reason to cast these characters aside, and that's why, you know. I, I really had a hard time with the new 52 for a variety of reasons, but um, the, the, the way Wally in particular was just erased. Um, it, it just, it really bugged me. And again, I felt like it ran yeah. counter to um, what this can be. I mean, you know, even on the green arrow side, you know, Connor Hawk, I, I think they might be doing something in the comics with him now, but he was off the board for a long time. And yep. 
you know, it's funny, even though with the, the example with Dick Grayson, and I love that moment too, and I love that Black Mirror storyline, and mm-hmm. great uh, that, stuff. that was a great moment, and that's, you're right, I mean, that's so perfectly encapsulated the type of Batman he is, and how he's different than, than Bruce, um, but with that, but there was that, it was a, such a brief period, but there was a, a small window after Bruce came back, before the New 52, where they were both Batman. They were both mm-hmm. running around in different titles as Batman. Again, on the Green Arrow front, there was a time uh, in the you know Kevin Smith, Brad Meltzer, uh, Judd Winnick era where Ollie and Connor were both uh, were both Green Arrow. So I mean, I do feel like there's room for both, and it, it adds a really interesting dynamic. So yeah, I love I love the aspect of legacy. I hate when it's you know it's it's its value is not really appreciated because I you know I mean it's the conversation we're having clearly it's 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 meaningful to us and to other people and I and again I guess I just feel like there's enough room there's enough room in all of these comics and all of these pages where you can yeah you, you can have these characters and I don't think it takes away from you know from their mentors here here you know um but that's awesome I, I appreciate you you sharing it's it's funny because I was you know, I'll tell my story about my, my career move, but I was like, what else, is there anything else I can really specifically point to? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that, um, you know, in a way that I'm not necessarily conscious of and actively thinking of, but I'm sure that, uh, you know, the, the inherent goodness of Superman and the example he said, I'm sure that seeped into my own morality, you know, in certain ways, again, not really in specific ways I could really say like, oh, I do this or I don't do this because of Superman. I, I don't have those examples, but I'm sure it has. But there is, there's, it's a very silly, it's a very silly thing. But one, one other example of how I've been directly inspired uh, is, is wardrobe related. It's not telling you, man, during the run of Smallville, I very consciously, this, this was not, this was not a coincidence. No, know exactly where this is going. <laughs> very, very consciously modeled uh, my wardrobe, my attire on what Clark was wearing, i.e. I was wearing a lot, a lot of blue t-shirts and red t-shirts and jeans. And that was about it. And mostly during college, because for high school, I went to an all boys Catholic school. We had a dress code, obviously on the weekends and, and whatnot. I dressed myself, but it wasn't so much of a thing in high school, but during college and law school, uh, usually whatever Clark was wearing, that's what I would be wearing too. Uh, so that silly as it is, it did. I mean, it, I, I really, it really did have an impact on how I went about my day. Proof. You have photographs and proof. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it was, an, I'll say this too, it was a nice, easy look, you know, the, the blue t-shirt and jeans, it, you know, it didn't require much. You really nice. can't beat jeans in a t-shirt, man. You really can't. Yeah. It got, it got a I'll little, it got a little more complicated in, uh, in season eight of Smallville when, um, you know, Clark was now operating as the red, blue blur. So people mm-hmm. knew there was this hero in red and blue. And uh, Jimmy Olsen started to put the pieces together and he noticed, hey, Clark's always wearing red and blue. So Clark switched up his his look and now he was wearing like long sleeve white tees with like a gray t-shirt over it. So what do you think Anthony started wearing? <laughs> <laughs> My guess is the same, 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 same. So, uh, so, so go. yeah, so that, uh, again, it's kind of goofy, but that was an, one other instance that I could think of where I could specifically point to, uh, being directly influenced by, by Superman. So I love it. I love it. And there's uh there's photographic evidence. There is, I don't, not a, not a ton. I mean, I did, uh, a few years ago, I took a photo and I called it cosplay uh, where I busted out the the blue t-shirt and jeans. I don't know that I really have a ton mm-hmm. of photos like from that specific time when I was doing that. 
because now we're talking over 10 years since the show was on. But, uh, but yeah. So <clears throat> what, I'll, what I'll talk about now, uh, before I talk about it, let me uh, read a quote from the pilot episode of Superman and Lois, which I know you just watched and I want to get your take on it. Um, and I've talked, I've talked about Superman and Lois on the show before. It's been the unexpected delight of my TV viewing season. I love it immensely. I'm so scared for its future. I hope that it stays as good as it has been or, or gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the CW. It's in the Arrowverse. I'm a little nervous, but so far it's been great. I found it very meaningful, very moving. Um, but there's a scene from the pilot between Clark and his teenage son, Jordan, whose powers are emerging it's a bit of a spoiler, but I mean, that's the pilot. So uh, hopefully I'm not giving away too much. And uh, there's a scene between the two of them on the front porch of the farm. And, and Clark says something to Jordan in this scene that I just, I couldn't shake it after, after I, I watched the episode. So this was going back to I think January or February was when it aired. Clark says, you know, I think about my dad a lot, how he was just heading off to church one day when a meteor crashed in his front yard. And just like that, he was a father. I didn't know it back then, but he had no idea what he was doing, but it didn't matter because he was always there. And like I said, I just, I couldn't shake that. And that played into uh, some, some recent moves that, that I've made. But <laughs> before I say that, what, what was your take on the, on the pilot? Because I know you just watched it for the first time. I sure did. And uh, I may have given you a little extra nudge to do this podcast, but you also gave me the little extra nudge I needed, as we've talked about before, to finally watch this pilot. And my goodness, it blew me away. It blew me away. And um, yeah, I guess the, the best way I can put it is that my my one of my buddies messaged me after he saw me rave about it on uh, social media and said, is it really good? And I said, yes. But then I started thinking about why I really loved it. And I thought about, well, why you love it. And I think if you are a father or a family man, that this show is going to hit differently for you than, than otherwise. It's, um, I was explaining to, to my wife when she was asking me you know, what, what I thought of it. And I said, I loved it because they're doing something that I've never really seen before, which is have Clark – be the father of two teenagers and just being uh, even though he is a father currently in the comics and stuff like that too this is something that's new enough especially in a, you know like a, a television format that it really is effective and it really spoke to me as you know a, a dad and as a, a family man myself so if you're if you're a Superman fan watch it if you're a comic fan watch it if you're a parent definitely make sure you watch it I, you know, I was so happy when I saw, you know, you post about it and you messaged me and I, and I, I figured you would like it for exactly those reasons. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to an, uh, another one of my uh, listeners, uh, Doug. I was on his Instagram live show recently, uh, Dougie Style on, on Instagram. And uh, we talked all about this podcast and, and my Superman fandom. And we talked about comics and we were talking about Smallville and Superman and Lois. And I said, and I might have said this on this show, too, at some point, but it bears repeating, even if I did. It's amazing to me how the universe provided exactly the right Superman shows for me at exactly the right points in my life. Because I, it's never lost on me. And I know I say this all the time, but it's never lost on me that Smallville started and Clark was a freshman in high school exactly when I was a freshman in high school. And I'm sure I would have liked the show anyway, even if we were a few years apart. But the fact that we were on the same track 
it definitely helped pull me in. And so what a gift that now, 20 years after the pilot of Smallville, I'm at a very different point in my life, but guess what? <laughs> so is Clark. <laughs> and, you know, my son's two. He's not not 16 or however old uh, the, the kids are supposed to be on Superman and Lois. But it's like now I get the show about Clark as a dad right after I've just become a dad. It's amazing to me how how the universe provided those shows at those times. It's I, I, I appreciate it, and it's not lost on me. Uh, you and I have the benefit of being uh, approximately the same age as well, too. So all that, as you knew, this would be a layup for me for all of those reasons that you uh, you just listed. And, you know, I'll just to, to give you a little um, little more openness with me. One of the things that it's actually the quote that I posted on on my social media accounts as well, too, about Lois talking about how you know you, you when you think about a family, you don't think about all the stuff about you know parents gone too soon, uh, you know having a, a child with anxiety, you know. All that applies to to me and my family as well too. So when she gave that whole speech, I had to like stop, like dead in my tracks, and be like, <laughs> you know, those moments when you feel like something's speaking to you directly, you know. From so my daughter is uh, almost two as well, and having missed so much time due to the pandemic, socializing, she definitely has a real hard time with adult strangers that she doesn't know. And um, you know, it's something that me and my wife are trying to work on safely as we can, things as they are, of course. Um, but just like, you know, hearing that line as well, too, my wife and I just had a conversation like, you know, she's just she gets really anxious around adults. You know, what are you know, what are, what are we going to do? And as soon as like I heard that that line, like half hour later after I had that conversation, it really, really struck a chord with me. And um, yeah, I guess you kind of said it best. You just got to thank the universe for kind of giving us these little uh, beacons of light when we need them. Yeah, I'm glad the show was able to provide that. And no, I mean, I, we're in exactly the, you know, the same situation as far as having, you know, pan, pandemic kids, yeah. but, you know, so, yes. so, so, so Autumn, she's almost, so when was she born? So she was born in October, 2019. Okay. She'll be two this October. Okay. So she's, uh, she's getting there, but yeah, so she really was only around for two or three months. I, so I live, you know, I grew up, uh, close to you, of course, in, in New York, but uh, I've lived down here in South Carolina with my family for about three or four years. There are still, I'd say the majority of my friends and family members still haven't even met my daughter yet due to the pandemic, which has been, which has been hard, which I hope certainly changes, but you know, um, that's the least of my concerns. You got to put stuff like that, you know, and you look at the big picture, of course, kind of, kind of put that to the side, but like Wally West, yeah, I mean, like, well, well, like, look at that. See, See? there you go. <laughs> look at you putting, putting a bow on it. I don't even realize it's in there sometimes, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, um, uh, it's, it's the reality of our situation, but just, just hearing, uh, those lines, you know, uh, that are more real and alive as, as they could be at almost, like you said, the, the most pivotal time to hear them is astonishing. Yeah. And, uh, well, so that, I mean, that's a perfect segue to, you know, to my, my journey here. So our son Milo, he'll be two in later this month in August. Uh, so we're recording this uh, early August. It'll go up on uh, the 11th and um, on the 23rd, uh, he'll turn two. So mm -hmm. we had half a year before the pandemic, um, you know, before everything shut down. And at that time, we're for that period of time uh, between vacation days and family leave. My wife and I were able to work it out where uh, initially it was both of us home with him and then we were trading off basically until March of 2020. 
And I, cause I, I did my leave, my main leave after she did. So like I was off for the beginning part of 2020 and I was just getting back into the office. And, uh, we both work at uh, pace law school in white plains. Uh, we both attended there at different times as students and then both started working there. Uh, and that's how we met and got to know each other. And so, uh, before the pandemic, we were working out all of these plans basically for the rest of that academic year. And we sort of figured that between, you know, remaining vacation time and family leave and grandmothers, uh, that we would be able to have childcare at home, like until the end of that academic year. And then we would sort of cross that bridge as far as what we were going to do with Milo. Now, before I go any further in this story, <laughs> I want to put out the dis this disclaimer. Because when I talk about daycare, which I will in a moment, I am in no way, shape, or form trying to project my feelings, my thoughts on daycare on anyone else. And I'm not saying it's it's bad or it's not a good choice, and it might be exactly the right choice for, for you or for any other family out there. As I move forward in this, I'm, I'm only speaking for myself and what my goals and my preferences were for, for, it's for too our son. It's, it's too expensive. Can we all agree on that? That is one thing that I don't need let's to. All, let's all let's all hold hands and agree on that real quick. Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to be diplomatic about that part, and that's something that yep. I do think any parent can identify with. So here's the thing: as we talk here, here. about this for the next couple of minutes, the parents out there are going to be like, <laughs> they're going to know exactly what we're talking about, mm -hmm. and the people who don't are going to get an education, I guess. So take notes the way that I take <laughs> notes because I wish they had taught me this when I was growing up. In school, I wish they had taught me about taxes, about <laughs> and about daycares and how expenses expensive they are. It's like a second mortgage. It's terrible. That aside, yeah. let's proceed. <laughs> Listen, no, I think we. I mean, we can put a number on it. I'll say in this New York tri-state area, uh, and I credit to my wife. She did the research on this. I, I, I I'm gonna. I'll just spout the number as if I did it myself, but no, she did. Um, approximate, I'm, I'm, I know it ranges, but approximately here, what we would be looking at 20 grand for the year. What is it? How does that compare with where, with where you are? So we were paying and keep in mind the cost of living is much less in South Carolina, but we also get paid less in South Carolina in comparison to New York. Um, we were, it was costing us about $800 a month because autumn was actually in daycare for like a hot six weeks before the pandemic hit. So it was costing us like 800 a month. And of course, when the pandemic hit, and again, everybody's you know decisions are completely their own. Like you said, we're not projecting any of our, our own personal views. Um, but the, the daycare in, in March of 2020 just closed down like so many other places did. And once we had her at home, we realized like this was basically just neutralizing one of our paychecks or a close to, or a big enough chunk after taxes where it's like a serious problem. So, you know, uh, what my wife and I do now is um, I always joke that we're, we're two happily married single parents. Uh, my wife actually works, or excuse me, my wife actually watches our daughter Autumn five days a week, Monday through Friday while I work. And then my wife goes, she's a, uh, an x-ray technologist at MUSC, the, uh, one of the, the bigger hospitals in South Carolina. She works there on the weekends. So we kind of switch and hand off. And um, we've each been able through this pandemic to be there for autumn while having our paychecks come in. And is it easy? No. But when daycare costs that much, it's just like we'd rather just you know save the money, especially when such a long period of time things were closed down anyway. Yeah. No, that's... 
and I know you and I had messaged about that, about the, the cost of daycare. I mean, it was, it was, it definitely was surprising to me. It, it was a similar thing I experienced when I was talking with uh, one of my uh, friends from our old comic shop and he has, his kids are now finishing up high school and heading into college. But I remember he and I spoke a few years ago when they were looking at high schools. And I mentioned before, I went to an all boys Catholic school. I went to, I own a prep in New Rochelle. And I remember generally what the tuition was like in 2001, 2001 to 2005. <laughs> when he was telling me what the tuition was like now, I, I you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it had, I don't, I mean, if, unless my math was like so off, my memory was so off at the price, like quadrupled in, in the time. So yeah, that was very educational. So, you know, the, the cost was definitely something that, you know, we, we were keeping in mind and, but, but also, and again, this is where, again, I'm not, I'm not projecting anything onto anyone else, but I just, it, it was and has been and remains important to me that if possible, if we're able to work it out where we, we can be home with, one of us can be home with him, that, that is preferable to me. Um, hope, you know, and you know, he'll be in school soon enough and, and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, and we're totally on board with you know, classes and play dates and all that stuff. It's, you know, pandemic stuff aside, but as far as just like dropping him off all day, every day, I just, I, I, you know, I just, I could have, couldn't do it. Um, if, if I could avoid it, that's the, and you know, this, the way things broke, everything worked out really nicely. It might've broken a different way and that would have been fine. And there's a place right down the street from us. That's one that from everything we've seen and heard is great. So, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing daycare generally. It was just that I wanted, I really wanted to try to find a way. And I guess going back to Superman, if I've learned one thing from Superman, it's like, there's always a way. Um, but I'll come back to that. So, uh, you know, March, 2020, everything shuts down all the plans that we had for the rest of that academic year for vacation and family leave and grandmothers and that all went out the window. And for a year and a half, we've, we, my wife and I have both been working fully remotely. And I want to echo what you said. Uh, and I'll give a shout out to, to Pace. I mean, you know, we, we really, it was not lost on us. We really appreciated that. We kept our jobs, got our paychecks. We're able to do everything from home. Um, Absolutely. You know, there were periods where the school was like closed, closed. And then there were there over the past months, people have been going in on a very limited basis. And, and um, you know, our supervisors have been accommodating to us as far as doing our work from home. And, you know, we've been able to work from home and produce and everything. But, um, you know, I, we really have been very appreciative of that. So, but again, you know, we've been home now with him for so long and, you know, we knew that eventually we'd have to figure something out, but it was just, you know, sort of like, okay, like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And then I guess, you know, early 2021, you know, as it's, it seemed like the end of the pandemic you know, might, might be in sight, you know, oh boy, it, it forever seemed, you know, it's like you got it at some point and then we keep having these setbacks, but that's, a, that's something else. Um, but, you know, I guess it was around that, it was probably around that time, I would say early you know, early 2021, where I was thinking more seriously about, okay, like, what are we going to do when we do have to go back? And, you know, hand in hand with that around the same time was that that Superman and Lois pilot and that scene um, with with Clark and, and Jordan. And, you know, at the beginning of this episode, I said I was inspired, you know, partially, because again, all of these feelings were in my mind already. And, and the, the idea of being as present a father as possible, you know, I, I didn't need that scene to tell me that I've already felt that, but sure. those words in particular, it, it just, it just really stuck with me. And I think it's a really, it's a beautiful sentiment. And I think it's something that, you know, I think dads should take to heart because it's like, you know, I think about this a lot and I don't know where, where you fall on this, but like, 
well, I know you as a teacher, you'll be you'll be plenty fine helping Autumn with schoolwork. <laughs> um, you know, job never ends. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I feel relatively confident myself with most subjects. You know, we'll we'll see in certain areas, but I think you know I'll be able to help Milo with the schoolwork, and you know, certainly if he's into if he wants to get into comics and TV and movies and all that stuff, I'm there for that. Sports though, I'm gonna need. I, I would be a little bit behind there. I'm a little deficient. Basketball is fine. I can do that. Otherwise. It, it, it'll it'll be a little little tricky for me um you know you gotta know your strengths that's what it's all about know yeah. your strengths yeah i'm not handy i'm not handy so i wouldn't be the dad like teaching him how to hang stuff or fix things there's no way my wife is listening to this nor does she making it how far when are we 45 minutes in so she's never going to hear this but i say it all the time anyway my wife is far more handy than i am Mine she too. grew up with a very, very handy family so shout out to her again we have that in common yeah. Oh, that's yeah. All right. That's a, it was a very safe space here. Yeah. No, my wife is way handier uh, yeah. than, than I am. And I, I tip my hat to her and that, and that's wonderful. So, so again, I guess my point is like, I know there are things that as he's getting older that, you know, I, I think I, I will do well in teaching and other things, you know, not as much, but just that idea of like, you just be there. And, and look, even if he were in daycare and I, you know, I'd still be home at night. It's not like I wouldn't have any time with him, but just that idea of just being there like as much as possible. And, and I guess going back to the specific example of Superman and Lois in particular, it's like, you know, they, they leave Metropolis. I mean, he gets fired from his job. Um, and, and then Lois, Lois quits, but you know, they, they make the active choice to move back to Smallville and, and live on the farm and be together. And so, like I said, I just, I couldn't shake that. And that remained in my head. And I was like, I want to, I really, I, I was very adamant. I was like, I'm going to find a way to work from home. Um, and I looked, well, I looked, I've, I applied to a lot of stuff and did nothing really panned out. Uh, although I want to share this with you because I think you. Uh, this is another area where you and I have common ground. And I think you'll appreciate this. I know you'll appreciate this. So most stuff I applied to did, didn't really go anywhere. There was one place where I got pretty far in the interview process. Uh, and in the end, I, I actually realized it wasn't going to be the right fit. But uh, in, the, in the first interview, you know, on my resume, all the Flat Squirrel production stuff is listed. I have my documentaries and it's all listed there. And at one point in the interview... One of the interviewers said, uh, like, oh, so are you, like, I see all of this on your resume. Like, are you trying to be a documentary filmmaker? <clears throat> and I, this isn't something I would have said in the past, but I've gotten to the point now where I feel strongly enough about it. And I was, I said it diplomatically and politely, but I said, well, I am a documentary filmmaker. <laughs> You're damn right, you are. You're damn right. Anthony, perfect response. That is the correct response. 10 out of 10. Of, and then... As you know, I'm also a fan of, you plug it, <laughs> and you tell them where to go watch it, and you tell all your friends. It's on uh, Curiosity Stream, Amazon Prime, go ahead and look it up, all that good stuff. But it's because I know, I mean, you know, you you are a fellow creative, you're an actor. You were just in, actually, let's plug this, because you were in a Manscaped commercial. Ah, yes, I yes, I was certainly, certainly was. A little bit different than uh, producing a whole documentary, but yes, in the, in the same ballpark, if not the same base, but yes. Uh, I was and um, a lot, a lot of fun stuff. And 
getting a, a lot of views and a lot of traffic. Everybody seems uh, happy with it. So that's been really cool. Yeah, it's hilarious. And you're featured very prominently, which I was happy to see. And so for anyone, they can go to like the Manscaped Facebook page, right? And it's up there. And it'll, yep, it'll be there. It's the Alex, Zed Alex Zedra Manscaped commercial. We're all playing soldiers. And thank you for that, for the plug, the support. And uh, I appreciate it as always, my friend. Yeah, no, I mean, I was so glad that, that, that you were able to do that. But, you know, I guess a similar type of thing, right? I mean, because, you know, I think for, for both of us, right, like we do have job, like day jobs, right? But mm -hmm. you know, like you were just in this commercial, like I, you know, and that's the thing. And it took me, I guess it did take me a while to get to this point where it's like, no, it's true. I don't make my living by making documentaries and podcasts. And that would be, yeah, that would be great. I guess if the question is like, is that my ultimate goal? Sure. But, but same at the thing same, with me and acting. Right. But at the same time, same it's thing. like, you know, like you're doing this commercial. It's like, I'm, I'm making stuff and I'm getting it out there the best way, you know, to the best of my ability and the best I can. So it's like, yeah, I don't look at it as like, oh, I'm trying to be a documentary filmmaker. It's like, no, like I, I make documentaries. They're out there. You can watch them. So yeah. Anyway. And you, you, you summarized my, my, my whole philosophy. We can be more than one thing. And we're also not defined by where our biggest paycheck comes from. And so I, I've been acting for over two decades now. I started when I was 15. I'm 36 now. So I've been at this for a long time. And just the fact that I've been doing this this long, I already consider a tremendous just uh, blessing, just being so, so fortunate. But that's because I've always... You know, I always had the deal that allegedly, I don't know if this is true or not, that Brad Pitt had with his parents where he was like, I'm going to be an actor. And they're like, cool, you either have to get a degree or get a full-time job first. And then when you're not doing that, you can practice everything else. Um, and that wasn't because they didn't believe in him, but it's because you need to have a way to pay the bills and to take care of yourself. And I have plenty of students who come to me and I say, hey, you know, I, one of my favorite questions to always ask a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? And nine times out of 10, maybe not nine, maybe like seven or eight times out of 10, one of the first things out of their mouths is I'm going to be a YouTuber. And I have to tell them, be like, that's great. You should do that when you're not in school or you're not working. You should dedicate all your extra time to that. And I realize now how maybe down the road when they get a little older, how funny that's going to sound when they go to the Digging for Kryptonite YouTube page <laughs> <laughs> and they see that I was on YouTube this entire time. But... <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. No, actually do, do as I say, because I was there teaching them and on our off time, we're creating. And that's, that's the thing. You don't just have to be one thing. No person is just one thing, nor are we defined by our career or our jobs. At any time you have the ability to create, listen, look, I'm sitting here three hours from where I live in a hotel in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm doing this podcast with you because this is something that I legitimately love and I enjoy. And that in itself quantifies it enough to being like, this is a podcast. This is real. You love making that documentary. That documentary was damn good too. Obviously I'm biased. Of course you could argue, but I've, I've told plenty of people to go watch and everybody's like, yeah, it's really, really good. If you love something and you work at it, you become that that's all it takes. It doesn't take dollars or cents or that doesn't qualify you or what you love. It's, it's, it's what your passion is. I, I, well, I appreciate the kind words and no, I agree with all of that. And you know, it's funny. Cause like, if you go to, and obviously, you know, you and I are Facebook friends. Like if you go to my Facebook, my personal page, you know, you have the little bio up top and it says documentary filmmaker and podcaster. Like that's, you know, it doesn't say like law school, you know, administrator, it, yeah. you know, that's not how I see myself. It, it is what I do. And you know, I'm proud of the work that I've done and I take it seriously, but it's not, yeah, it's not, 
again, I guess what I what I identify with in, in, in my heart, you know, like doing this sort of thing, like this is where the passion is. And that's where the, you know, I, I really have the love for that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the, the, the quote unquote day job, that's how I pay the bills and, you know, help provide for my family and I'm happy to do yeah. that. And, you know, it's, yeah. but anyway, but I, you know, I had that, that moment in the interview and I thought of you, I wanted to, I wanted to throw that in there because I knew you would identify with that. Um, it, it's, it's similar to, this hasn't happened really much and definitely not in a long time, but if, and when someone refers to, to this other stuff as a hobby, that that that's I, that's not how I would describe it. I'm not like I'm not so offended by it, but uh, it that does it that does irk me a little bit. This is not a hobby, because for many reasons. The first one that I will give is that there's a certain level of prof- professionalism and dedication that you brought to your documentary that you bring to this podcast. It's one of the many reasons aside from obviously, you know, our, our friendship and myself enjoying working with you so much. It's just like you're professional, but I always tell my wife and I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus, but I've been on a bunch of podcasts and you have the same like uh, drive and professionalism that I do. You can tell that you care because you schedule things in advance. You think about things, <laughs> you have it mapped out. And some people are listening to this and are laughing, but let me tell you, you would be shocked about how far ahead of the game that puts you alone. It really, truly does. But you do that because you take this seriously because it's your passion, like you said. And to me, it's cool hearing somebody else uh, in a very similar boat as myself say that out loud. But even if you didn't say it, I would know it because it's just how you conduct your documentary. It's how you conduct this show. You know, you, you can see how seriously you take it, how much you love it. Uh, it speaks for itself. Yeah. No, well, thank you very much. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it does. I mean, I do care and I, it, it, it does mean a lot to me. And so, you know, I like, I look at, you know, reading comics as a hobby, you know, that's something that's, you know, just, you know, fun. And I, you know, re- I mean, although now it's like, I read primarily for the show. So that's kind of changed a little bit, but uh, now, now we have homework. Now sometimes. it's now it's home- Yeah, I know. Fun, fun homework, but still. <laughs> Uh, but that's sort of how, how I would consider, uh, you know, what, what I would consider a hobby to be in any event. So that was one little stop on the journey as I was trying to sort this out. And along the way, I was also, because I, I am a big believer and I got this from, uh, my old boss at our old comic shop about having a backup for the backup of the backup. So I'm a big, I'm really big into multiple contingencies. Um, and I feel like if you, you have enough different paths, you can go down, something will, will work out. So I was also simultaneously kind of proposing to my then current supervisor at work some sort of like hybrid work schedule for our entire team where, you know, we would each come in like a couple of days per week and we would still have coverage for the office and the rest of the time we'd be working from home. And, you know, if my wife was able to do the same thing in her department, we would have our week covered. So I was I was I was kind of working on that and it seemed like that was promising. I never got a firm answer on that, um, you know, and I, and I will say there 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 did come a point where uh, I, I was getting frustrated in in my search and my job search. Like, again, nothing was really panning out. And um, I was applying, to, I mean, I was applying to like a lot of um, like copywriting jobs, um, you know, things that really could be done remotely. And, and you know, on the writing side, like that's something that I have that skill set and I would, you know, I would find it interesting enough. Um, I was also, there are like podcast producer jobs out there as well. Like I saw a bunch of stuff like, again, nothing that, uh, for, for, for all the podcasts that I've done, I guess it, it, in the end, it didn't really amount to much in that realm, but that's okay. But so I was applying it's to, they're a loss. Well, 
But I was applying to a bunch of stuff and, you know, it really wasn't panning out. And, and again, if I stayed in my current position, I didn't know, you know, what that would look like. And I was getting kind of frustrated and I went to one of my sanctuaries. Again, something you'll appreciate. We're really, you know, you and I, man, we're like cut from the same cloth here. I was, I was in the, I was in the garage gym and do you follow The Rock on uh, on Instagram or any social media? Of course, of course. Who does? I think you, me, and uh, I think approximately half of the free world follow <laughs> The Rock on Instagram. But yes, of course, and also a big garage gym enthusiast as I am too. So yeah, yeah, it's, a, oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. Uh, it really is. Kids asleep, go get it. That's it. I, I've never been mm-hmm. a. Mo- so you do it at night as well. Well, I'm I'm gonna switch now. So my my new my new virtual teaching gig. I actually don't start till eight, and my commute is significantly shorter because <laughs> I have to walk into the next room essentially. So I'm gonna switch to mornings. But for the past year, uh, you know, autumn goes to bed seven fifteen seven thirty. I take a few deep breaths. I kind of pump myself up and say, okay, I can do this, and I go and uh, I hit the garage gym. So here here to that. Nice. Yeah. I've never been a morning exerciser. It's just never, with some exceptions in the, over the over the, the past decade plus. But for the most part, it's always been at night. And uh, like, if it's a matter of doing it at seven in the morning or like eleven o'clock at night, I'll do it at night. And I have done that. Um, but you know, the Rock, he always talks about the gym as his um, as his anchor. Um, yep. and that obviously works for him. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> it works for him for me though. I kind of look at, at it more as a, as a, as a pillar. Like I, I always look at the gym, well, my family first, we start with the family. <laughs> I wasn't listing in order. Was a family, Good fa- Good yeah. <laughs> but like family, gym and flat squirrel studios here as kind of like three of the, like the main pillars in, in my life. Cause that's like, you know, the family nourishes the soul the gym, the body. And then here it's, it's, you know, the, the mind, I guess. And that, that, that creative spirit, like, and, and so I, I need all of those. And I find like, if I miss too many workouts, uh, I, I, I notice my mood change. Do you experience yep. that too? Without a doubt. My wife will notice it if it ever happens. Um, and it doesn't happen that often because I don't, mm, my wife would describe me as lovingly obsessive, I think, with the many things and passions that I have and working out, you know, uh, being one of them. But yeah, and that's the reason why I'm so strict. You know, I'll be up before I have, you know, more professional development tomorrow at nine. I got my alarm set for six already. I'll be up in the hotel gym with my mask on working out because I need to get it in. I have nobody to impress anymore physically. <laughs> I'm a happily married man. I work in uh, predominantly comedies, which I'm thankful for. That gives me some nice flexibility there. I work out and you, you hit the nail on the head because of how it makes me feel and how it really does feel like it sharpens my mind. It puts me in a better mood. I feel like all of that stress that maybe sometimes I internalize a little too much, you know, and I don't often let seep out. Maybe I can put it somewhere. I can put all of that energy somewhere. And I agree completely with that. And if I don't do it, I definitely, same as you, I see a definite change in my mood and not for the better. Yeah. I've, as, as I guess, especially over the pandemic, I, I, like I've noticed it more and I had a real rough go because the, you know, we moved last July. Um, prior to that, we were living in an apartment building and there was a gym and then that shut down and I was down to just like dumbbells that I had in our apartment. And I also had this wrist injury I was, I was dealing with. And, uh, and then it took a while until I was, I got everything set up in the new place and I got through the injury and I get really got back into it. So I was like really out of it for a while. I hate, it was the longest I, I've, I started working out in the, my freshman year of college when I was 18 
And this was the longest that I went. I mean, it was like really a few months where I really didn't do anything. Um, yeah. And I hate it was I hated that feeling. I really, really hated it. I, I you know, yep. but I guess I'm glad that I did. Because on the, you know, it could have gone the other way where I could have been like, oh, this is nice. I don't have to think about it. And and then I kind of didn't get back into it. But I was like, I got to do this. And and I do notice that like my mood, you know, does, it's not like I turn into a monster, but it's like my mood does worse. And I, you got to have, again, going back to, well, I'll pull Smallville in here. When uh, at the start of season 10, one of my favorite scenes, I've mentioned this on a bunch of episodes, when uh, Clark sees a vision of Jonathan and uh and jonathan's like you know you, you've all this you know all this anger like it's got to come out somewhere <laughs> so you know exactly right you know to, to kind of just have that have that release um is is really important but i remember at one of those points where i was getting frustrated with this job search and i was in the the garage gym the steel fortress as i call it not the uh at the was it the iron paradise great. was the rock bag it was steel fortress it's a great name uh, and I just like, I literally talked to myself. Like if you walked by the garage, you would have heard me talk. I was like, literally talking to myself. And I was like, listen, this will work out. It You'll find a way. You're doing everything that you can do. And, you know, worst case, if it doesn't, and, you know, you, you put them in daycare, that's fine too. But I was like, you'll you'll make this work. And I really, and like, you got to calm down. And it it helped. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up next time I, I feel that way because I, I think having that pep talk is a uh, is so important. But you know what? You make a really a really good point because sometimes by even just saying something out loud, you give it life. Yeah, you're like willing it into into existence. So I can get behind that. I can dig that. I so as far as another comic book inspiration because I've talked about this when we've talked about the Snyder Cut, but I I really did derive specific inspiration from this too. Not Superman, but Bruce Wayne. In Zack Snyder's Justice League is a man the second the second best Batman the yeah I mean I <laughs> although I don't know who do you go with number one are you Dick Grayson oh oh I th- I'm sorry I thought that was a call that was a call back from earlier <laughs> I I'm sorry I I, uh, I I thought you were talking about the actors that's immediately where where my mind went no, I, no that, that's the the normal conversation to have <laughs> with that like I said I went for the deeper cuts proceed proceed. <laughs> But but in in Zack Snyder's Justice League, Bruce is a man operating on pure faith throughout the movie, and there are at, at throughout the four hours, virtually every character questions him and or doubts his plan and or the the plan's likelihood of of success at some point in that movie. And at every turn, Bruce's response is like, "It'll work out. It has to." Like when they're about to go find fight Steppenwolf for the big final battle and Alfred is wondering, like, is Superman going to show up? And Bruce is like, he'll be there. He's just so sure. And I'm not saying like you should have blind faith no matter what you do, but there was something about that, that too, that like I couldn't shake. And and my wife and I had this conversation because there were times in this job puzzle where, you know, I, I don't want to say she was doubting but she was asking all the right questions like well like you know how is this going to work like what you know why like basically like why do you think this is going to happen and i said i was like i just i can't explain it i said but i really just feel like it will and and i feel like i i feel like i manifested this i'm not gonna lie i really feel like if ever someone willed something i feel like i did yeah yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of truth and a lot of power to that, a lot of positivity. You know, you 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 helped push it into existence. Depending how you want to look at it, you can either say you manifested it into existence, or you got yourself into a space 
where you were able to focus and accept more paths and more information coming to you to achieve your goals. However you look at it, I mean, the results don't lie. Yeah, you know, you're, there's something to that. And, and as far as just paths, I mean, you know, one of the things I did was um, I let people know. I mean, I reached out to like a few, not, uh, you know, I didn't, wasn't like bombarding people, but like a few people who I thought might have a lead on something. Like I, I guess I was putting stuff out there. Like I was putting it out yeah. there that this was something. And I, I just had this sense that like something will, will work out. Um, and uh, yeah, and sure enough, it did. And from the, the unlikeliest of, of places, uh, my current job, <laughs> my current employer pays um, a fully remote, full-time position became available. There was someone who had a part-time version of that job previously, and um, they were in the process of, uh, of of building it into a full-time position, and then she left, and it needed to be filled. It's manager of assessment and advising, so um, it, it has a lot to do with the law school's accreditation on, you know, accreditation maintenance and assessment of, I know you, 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 you know, well about the, the education I know about side. accreditation. I sure do. Uh, and also just like big picture, the, the, you know, assessing the learning outcomes are our students learning what they're, you know, what they're being taught. Um, and this became available and it's, I'll be working with, um, our academic dean, who I actually, I took one of her classes when I was a student and we've, you know, been obviously colleagues, even though I haven't been That's working awesome. directly with her, but we have a great working relationship. And um, I genuinely think it'll be interesting because it's a more big picture look at the school, you know, uh, at, at a higher, you know, institutional level. And you see kind of how, because I've been in admission, so I've been in a in a, one specific area that's a big part of the puzzle, big piece of the puzzle, but there are all these other sides as well. So um, I think it'll actually, I think it'll be interesting. Um, and on top of that, it's it's fully remote and generally speaking, and maybe this will change after the pandemic, I don't know, but generally speaking, there aren't a ton of those at, at the school. So again, it ended up coming from a very unlikely place, um, but, it, but it worked. And uh, as we record this, I've officially started in that position, although I am I'm currently splitting my time um, until we get through the orientation for the new students. So it's been a it's been a little intense because I'm wrapping up the old job and sure. getting into the new job. And this law school actually has its ABA site visit um, this fall. So and there's stuff that's due in September. So it's like really it's like really jumping into it right into it. Yeah. You know, but it it affords the flexibility that I was looking for. And uh, I'm yep. just really grateful for the opportunity and that, that it came about. And again, one of the things that kind of kept me kept me on that path was that scene with Clark and Jordan uh, on the front porch of the farm, like talking about, you know, Pa Kent and how he didn't always have all the answers. He really didn't know what he was doing, but he was there. He was just there and that was enough. And so, uh, yeah, I... I it's still a little surreal because I, you know, this was going on for so long and I didn't know what would come of it. And, uh, and that's where we are. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Very, very much well-deserved and, um, such an inspiring story, both from how comics and their adaptations can inspire us. But even your story, I think is incredibly inspiring talking about that faith that things will work out while like reaching out to others in a time of need by not just withdrawing and kind of manifesting this destiny to, to come into existence. So it's a tremendous story and well, well deserved. I'm very happy for you, for your family. I appreciate that very much.
And, uh, you know, I, I hope, uh, I hope our audience enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed this again. I, you know, this is a little different type of episode and, and this is, um, kind of a bonus, I guess, because last week people heard our, our episode on the, the, uh, morality and ethical duty of Superman. And next week they'll hear our episode on for tomorrow with a real life pastor as originally planned. So this episode, uh, is, is a little extra one, but I thought it was important. I, again, it's like we just talk about Superman. I mean, that's what the whole show is about. But it's like to re- to really be able to say like, no, like this is actually an instance where it really meant something to me in in a way that had an impact on my life. I mean, you know, in terms of how I spend yes. my time, how I make my living. Um, so 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 yeah, I, I'm I'm glad we were able to you know to put that out there. I, one follow up. You know, it's funny, man. When you were talking about. Like for both of us, right? Having the creative side and then also having the day job and not being one thing. I mean, is is that not like a superhero with a disguise? <laughs> you know, I was going to say it. I was going to say the whole Clark Kent, you know, by day. Oh, I have to go now. But uh, it is. It, it, <laughs> in like a structural sense, it is. But I also think that we're also we're not, so we're not one thing but we are also both of those things kind of like how clark is both clark and superman so I, I do think that that duality exists in all of us and i think you do a good example of embracing it because that's what you should do you can't just tell people that you're always just one thing we're uh we have layers as human beings we have layers but yeah you know when we uh we hear something halfway across the world and we have to jump out the window and do a quick change or when we see the uh that signal in the sky or when you pop the costume out of your ring, you know, you got to go. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and yeah, I don't, not that I look at it like a secret identity, but I do without, you know, psycho. So it'd be the worst secret identities you and I would have <laughs> yeah. of all time. We're <laughs> public figures, more or less, you and I. We just, we're not doing a good job. We're worse than Daredevil, if that's even possible, of keeping our secret identities. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, but no, that's the thing. It's like, and not, not to uh, psychoanalyze myself <laughs> too much, but yeah, I, I, I you know, like I do kind of wonder if like all these years reading and watching Superman, this character with these two sides, I mean, really three, I, I won't get into my whole thing about Clark on the farm, but, but you know, like really having like these two, like these two main sides. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder if subconsciously like that sort of, planted this idea of of like being multiple things or maybe i would have arrived there anyway i mean it's not the most it's not like it's so rare but i, I don't know i can't help I, if nothing else it probably helped like maybe it reinforced sure. something that sure. was already there that it's like yeah you can be multiple things you know to multiple people um interesting it's an interesting idea it certainly is it certainly is i want to throw a just a quick aside as well too i want you to know now, when I was watching Superman and Lois, this will be of no surprise. But after our marathon podcast session, <laughs> with all of the origins of Superman that we went over, the first few minutes of that episode, I was like, oh, okay, he's coming in as a baby in this one. Pa Kent dies of a heart attack. And I started writing down notes, and I was like, Jeremy, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? This is not what this is about. I'm so ingrained in like noticing the details of Superman origin stories that that immediately put like a flag in my head, which I think is kind of cool. It's given me a whole new frame of reference and, and uh, knowledge that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I thought that was funny. That's, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, just as a reminder, if anyone needs it, you, you were on the episode that holds the record for longest recording, longest episode that I've ever done 
uh, when we talked about the post-crisis origins across time and media. Um, that was a true map. We didn't take a break. I mean, that was a true <laughs> for th- over no, three hours. And that That's one of those things, too, where we didn't set out to do something like that. It literally just, uh, to me, organically flew by. Like I, To me, I felt like we were talking for 45 minutes an hour. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and that whenever we have, we end up with these, you know, you know, mammoth episodes, and this is not one, we're just over the hour mark. And I, I think we'll sign off in a few minutes. So this, this won't be one of those, but, uh, you know, whenever those really long episodes happen, a, I hope people enjoy them, but B, you know, it's like the goal is ne- I never sit down. And I'm like, okay, we're going to talk for two hours or three hours. It, it is just what happens in those instances. And so, yeah, I really think that speaks to, um, you know, again, the passion that we, you know, we have for the material and, and how much there is to dissect. And again, I, the thing I always come back to is if it doesn't feel that long to us, hopefully it doesn't for, you know, for the audience. And so while we have, it's it's so funny. I feel like we, I'm like, oh man, it's only an hour. I was like, we we got two more, we got two more hours to fill Anthony. We got two more hours. I feel like like, so much time. No, but I will give just a heads up about, uh, you're going to be on the show, uh, again, very soon. That's right. So we are going to do, um, I mean, I'm looking at the, my Excel list in my head here. So people will actually hear you next later in August on the Patreon exclusive companion show. You and I are going to talk about the new The Suicide Squad movie. So, so, so excited. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts on that. And then um, in September, so you're going to be part of my my eight-part weekly uh, event, uh, Crisis Till Death, uh, where I'm looking at this period of Superman uh, after Crisis on Infinite Earths up to and including the death and return of Superman. Um, and you are going to be there for part three we are going to do a deep dive into the 1988 Ruby Spears cartoon, um, the short-lived 13-episode entry in the Superman animated canon. Um, I did a little mini-episode on it months and months ago, um, where mostly I just expressed shock that the show existed. I, I didn't know about it. Uh, do you remember uh, our first talk about that episode? That yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you said to me like, oh, like you know, I actually didn't know this episode existed until I looked into it, and my response was, I didn't know this existed until you just told me right now. So yeah, it's this uh, you know this this little uh, little little gem uh, in in the Superman mythology, and so uh, but for this episode coming up, we're gonna watch and talk about all thirteen episodes. So I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, I'm excited to do that. So that's still coming up, and I'm sure we'll. And I'll- keep- I'll throw this out real quick if you're listening to this and that sounds like something that might interest you. And Anthony told me this, which is awesome. There is a zero cost of investment to the grand majorities of these episodes. They're on the free streaming app Tubi. Yep. So you can go on Tubi, just type in Superman. It'll be one of the first animated ones that pops up. You'll be able to get there free of charge. Um, I would love for some of our viewers to kind of check it out and kind of uh, listen along with us because uh, we're going to have some interesting and fun thoughts, I think, about this. We're going back to the 80s again, which is always a tremendously fun time for Superman. Yeah, I'm really excited to to dive into that. I actually bought the DVD set. Awesome. I decided, I was like, let me just go for it. Uh, but yeah, Tubi is a great free option. And they have, I think, 10 or 11 out of the 13. Like they're missing. I believe it's 11. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're really missing yeah. a couple. I don't know what the story is there, but that's perfectly fine. We'll have plenty to talk about. Um, but I was like, yeah, let me just, I'll just get these. So uh, so yeah, I have all 13. I'll, um, uh, I'm especially curious, those two that are missing, if there's anything that's like really 
noteworthy about those. Um, yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely very very curious as well as well too. I have a little inside baseball. I've of course I've watched all eleven on Tubi. Oh, uh, already. So I'm uh, I'm I'm about to speed and all that, but I am I really have to seek out I think and figure out what it is exactly about these two episodes, like why they're not on there. I have plenty of more questions, so I'll I'll leave it at that for now. But um, go check it out. It's cost zero dollars zero cents. They're quick, quick episodes that I think without, you know, too many ad breaks or anything like that they run to be about 23, 25 minutes a pop. Um, give it a look. It's actually some pretty interesting and fun stuff. And uh, again, it costs no money out of your wallet to look. It's, I got I to gotta tell you. So I was not, I'll confess, I was not familiar with Tubi um, before. Oh, me neither. Before I found <laughs> no. out. So I wasn't familiar with Tubi. And then I searched, again, this was before I bought the DVD, but I searched like the Ruby Spears cartoon streaming and it came up there and my first thing, and you know, I'm, I mean, I guess maybe I'm not that plugged in, but generally I am pretty plugged in into all these streaming services and everything. And when I saw that, I'm like, is this like a piracy? Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't play with the, with the, you know, the piracy. Um, cause I don't want people to do that to my, to my own work. Um, Absolutely. And that's only part of the reason, but, but I was like, is this like a legit thing? That was my first thought. I'm like, it's cause it's free. It's, but yeah, it is a free yeah. streaming service. It's ad supported. Um, and you don't even have to create an account. Yep. So, um, and we're not sponsored in any way by Tubi. Although, you know, it's funny whether it's HBO. Yet, well, Anthony. That's the yet. thing. HBO Max, Tubi, you know, we talk about all these things, yep. uh, the friggin' DC app, you know, if, if any of these yep. places want to come forward, <laughs> Please, we, you know what, we, we would be generous enough to let you sponsor the show. We would, you know, out of the kindness of our hearts, we would, we would do that. But I think I've trashed the DC app enough. I don't think that will ever happen. Wait till you hear some of the upcoming episodes. I really go on like some rants about it. It's been very frustrating as, as, as well, I'm there, there's to... some improvements that need to be made to yeah, be fair. That's a diplomatic way of putting it. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so this episode, I didn't do the whole, uh, I didn't run all the commercials and everything. I just wanted a nice stripped down episode where we, we talked about this, but I do want to say we do have a new sponsor. I'll bring this all full circle. Justin DeVoe. Um, I want to shout out to Justin DeVoe. We talked about him before and, um, how he bared his soul. On, on one of our prior episodes, but um, he's also one of our new sponsors. He's got a couple of ventures that he's a part of, and I want to mention them to people now, and you'll hear you know, more proper commercials about them in the future. But um, he's on a podcast called Shadatigans. Jeremy, actually, I think you, you, you would appreciate this. It is just what it sounds like. Um, it's a podcast by dads for dads. Um, and they talk about a whole host of, uh, of subjects. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a lot of fun. I was a guest on one of the episodes and it was, it was, I really had a blast with those guys. Love that. I love that. Shadadigans. Shadadigans. And you can listen to I it on, that. on all major podcast platforms. And then, um, Justin is also a, a fitness enthusiast and, uh, and a trainer and a cosplayer extraordinaire. And if you want to just look at what Justin's doing on, on, on those fronts. You can go to his Instagram page, real life Lobo. Um, and if you're interested in, in potentially training or kind of taking it to the next level, iron and honor fitness, uh, also on Instagram, you can check out that page. They're still kind of building that out. Uh, but that's a good place to go. So real life Lobo and, um, iron and honor, uh, on Instagram. Uh, and I want to thank Justin for, for his man. support. Yeah. Gotta check out the main man. Now, will he train me with a cigar in my mouth? I mean, I feel like is the question, you know? Yeah, that's a good that I feel like in that case, there's, there's the, you know, the, the sticking to the spirit of the character, but then there's also mm -hmm. the health side. And I feel like they butt up against this each is, other. 
Now, this, is, this is why you need to go to him for these questions and not to to a mere mortal like myself. But yes, we, we ask the tough questions here on Digging for Kryptonite. <laughs> That's right. Very, very true. Uh, well, Jeremy, thank you very much. This I I really enjoy this. I appreciate uh, everything that you shared. And, uh, and, and I again, this was a really special one. And I, I'm so glad to have had you on for this one. So thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for letting me uh, be a part of it and for sharing your your life and uh, not only your Superman f- fan journey, but your <laughs> real life journey with you and your family as well, too. It's a story worth telling. So thank you for letting me and everybody listening be a part of it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you to our audience. Make sure you come back in one week. Remember, this is an extra episode, so come back in one week uh, as we discuss for tomorrow with a real life pastor. I already recorded it. It's a it's a really great interesting episode. I hope people enjoy. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. <laughs>